Welcome to the Commander Theory Podcast. I'm Nick, and I'm here with my friend Zach. Hey, everybody. So today, uh, we are going to be doing the long-promised Ixalan retrospective. <laughs> the Ixalan was bad episode. Yeah. So we're going to be looking at Ixalan from a couple different dimensions. We're going to go into the design and development history of the set, talk about the commanders of Ixalan, talk about the cards that impacted the commander format out of Ixalan. So to give you a little bit of background, Ixalan had a very fraught design and development process. So Ken Nagel was the lead designer of the set, and basically the main mechanic of the set, the like big exciting thing, got stolen twice. But but before we go into that, I want to just give the the very early history of Ixalan. So mm-hmm. at Wizards, once a year, employees get the opportunity to do a short presentation on some change they would like to see in Magic. So they can do pitches on uh, new products or new planes, like sets, all sorts of things. So Ixalan got its start during one of these presentations. So uh, somebody from the creative team got up and did a presentation where she pitched the idea of vampire conquistadors. And it was, obviously we don't have too many details about the presentation, but that was the the highlight. The people in the audience thought that was enough to build a set on, so that got greenlit. Yeah, they put it on the schedule for like some years down the road. Yeah. Ken Nagel ended up being the designer that inherited this concept, and he went through a couple, a lot of changes. Mark Rosebottom has a bunch of articles on this, but it started off using a mechanic that eventually became Monarch, the Monarch, in Conspiracy Take the Crown. Basically, Conspiracy Take the Crown was set to come out sooner, and they found that it worked really well in a multiplayer environment, so they took that, they were allowed to take that mechanic from Ixalan. Another exciting new thing that was going to be introduced in Ixalan was vehicles because it's about exploration and pirates are such a big theme. Vehicles were going to be introduced for the first time in Ixalan, but then Kaladesh came along and took them. Yeah, and and I do want to say the flavor of vehicles was slightly different because it was because the pitch was vampire conquistadors, it was like a location and if you had enough creatures tap because vehicle started as like the number of creatures tapping to crew it. Mm-hmm. So if you had enough creatures tapped to conquer a location, it would do a thing for you. And then they were like, oh, this is great for vehicles, bye, and ran off with it. Yeah, yeah. Although in in hindsight, I kind of question if that was necessary, because like energy was already big and exciting and splashy, and mm-hmm. oh, I don't yeah. know if Kaladesh needed additional splash, whereas Ixalan ended up being very deficient yeah, in, in that a very, regard. Yeah, a very shallow splash. Yeah. The Monarch was stolen. Vehicles, essentially, were stolen. Stolen, yeah. And so Ken was, like, facing down the, the barrel of a deadline <laughs> and had to figure out what to do with the set. And so he and his design team and the creative team worked together. And, and I'm probably getting the order of this a little bit wrong. Again, you should read Mark Rosewater's articles on the subject if you want more details. But he decided that what Ixalan really wanted to be was a tribal set. Four tribes that were chosen were merfolk, pirates, dinosaurs, vampires. Yeah, and um, there's a big story about that, but we won't get into it. Yeah. Ixalan had a rough start, and we will try to evaluate it in light of the fact that... It got pretty... 
uh, it got the short stick on a lot of different fronts. Yeah, it's a shame because I really like I really like Ken Nagel as a designer. Mm-hmm. Some of the sets he has led the design for ended up becoming my favorite sets. Yeah. I thought Eldritch Moon was great. Yeah, that was um, an awesome set. I thought that uh, Fate Reforged was a really interesting set. Yeah, that was, my I think, one of my favorite limited environments. Yeah, so uh, I think Ken Nagel is a great designer. It's a shame that he got saddled with a weak concept and then like had his plans for the set disrupted twice. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's a route design. Yeah, but we have to evaluate the finished product kind of based on what it is, mm-hmm. so... Do you want to go into the commanders of Ixalan? Uh, yeah, so I think the, one of the things that Ixalan in a big part failed in was that the commanders that it pushed, they weren't doing anything interesting or anything well enough to justify building around that, if that makes sense. So Maverin Fane Dusk Apostle, it's two and a white for a vampire cleric, 2-2. Two, two. And whenever one or more non-token vampires you control attack, create a 1-1 white vampire creature token with lifelink. So I think the big issue with Maverin Fane is that there are just very few mono-white vampires. Yes, Um, yes, they were pretty much all in this set, I'm pretty sure, at this point. Yeah, historically, vampires have been concentrated in black, and then we've had two sets on Innistrad that pushed them into red. Ixalan, the new thing that it was doing was pushing vampires into white. And and to be fair, there's been some black-white vampires mm-hmm. in the Orzov on Ravnica. But in terms of mono-white vampires, I can't think of any off the top of my head. It's a very small number. And even with both Ixalan and Rivals of Ixalan to add playables, your your number is going to be extremely low. So Maverin Fane, right off the bat, it's hard to even get a critical mass of vampires to, so that he does the thing he does. Yeah. And that's even if you're not being choosy at all in terms yeah. of which vampires you include. That's throwing in every changeling, every type of anything. Like that Queen's could... Commission. Yeah. Yeah. Like stuff that wouldn't even make your sealed deck. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so that that was pretty. It was just really sad. And so then to get to Kapala again, Kapala is a two-two Merfolk wizard for one blue-blue, and has spells your opponents cast that target a Merfolk you control cost two more to cast. Abilities your opponents activate that target a Merfolk you control cost two more to activate. So your stuff is a little bit harder to target. That's not really a reward. For yeah. building Merfolk, like that's not, there's no incentive I, to build around this. I agree. I think that the best re- rewards are proactive. They enable you to do something with your deck, like they increase your resources or increase your damage output, things like that. But Coppola here is completely reactive. If your opponent's decides that they would rather run a bunch of Wrath of God variants instead of a bunch of Swords to Plowshare variants, then it doesn't do anything. Yeah, there's no, there's literally nothing. And yeah, that, yeah. And speaking of like Wrath of God variants, all tribal decks, basically all of them encourage you to dump a bunch of creatures onto the board. So it's best if they, if a tribal commander offers some way to mitigate the fact yes. that one Wrath of God will take out five or you know however many yeah. creatures. Yeah, two to five or more creatures that you have. Yeah, the inherent risk involved in committing to a tribe and putting them all on the board at once. This will be a common theme you'll see as we talk <laughs> about these commanders. Yeah, so Lanery Storm, 
doesn't really have enough to work with yes. in terms of ways to utilize that treasure. So not a very exciting commander. And then let's... First, I want to talk about... Well, which, which one do you want to start with? Let's start with Beckett Brass, because okay. there's a decent amount to say. Basically, uh, I was joking earlier that every time I look at Admiral Beckett Brass, uh, she gets a little bit worse. So Admiral Beckett Brass is a 3-3 human pirate for uh, one blue, black, red, so four CMC. Has the text, other pirates you control get plus one, plus one. So, okay, cool, little pirate lord. And then at the beginning of your end step, gain control of target non-land permanent controlled by a player who has dealt combat damage by three or more pirates this turn. It's hefty. That's a lot of hoops. That's a lot of hoops. <laughs> um, so let's break this down. You gain control of one permanent, and you have to have hit them yes. through combat damage, not, not just attacking them, not just dealing damage, with three or more pirates. Um, <laughs> so that means it's not an attack trigger. It's, it doesn't trigger based off of attack. It doesn't tr trigger off of non-combat damage. You have to hit them. So you have to commit a ton of pirates, pirates to the board. Yes. And even with the amount of pirates added to the format through Ixalan and Rivals of Ixalan, there's still not that many good ones and not mm -hmm. that many good ones with evasion, which is really the essential thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. She forces you to commit a lot to the board, so you're even more vulnerable to the wrath. Yep. And it's very it's going to be difficult even if you make that commitment to get the reward that she's offering. Yeah, and and then you're only the the reward for all of this is a glorious anthem for your pirates and one permanent maybe a turn. Mm -hmm. Like maybe you get to steal their Thran Dynamo. Yeah, the the other pirates you control get plus some plus, like honestly, I don't see how you pull this off in standard. Yes. <laughs> like pulling yeah. this off in uh, in commander is going to be way more difficult. And I really wish that instead of like a plus or plus one bonus, she had offered something that synergized with the second ability, like mm -hmm. other pirates you control have menace. Mm -hmm. Like that yeah. way, that gets more, uh, that brings more pirates to the level of evasion needed to actually trigger her. And plus or plus one bonuses in Commander are generally pretty meaningless. It's it's usually just kind of like trinket text like it it might throw off some combat math once when your like friend isn't paying attention yeah but with 40 life uh plus one plus one doesn't go very far i'd rather get something that fits with the play style of the specific mm -hmm. tribe as a like plus one plus one tends to be the generic tribal bonus and it's yeah. a pretty lazy one yeah from a, from a design standpoint definitely i feel like we keep seeing it as just the banner like they give you a creature that is look you can put all of these creatures under this creature as the commander and that is pretty boring like they could do a little bit more work beckett brass could have just given like menace or something like that could have given some other thing that synergized with the second ability but instead yeah i, I think the second ability is flavorful and yeah. does fit with mechanically like the mechanical connection between mm -hmm. a lot of pirates which is that a lot of them do have evasion there are lots of pirates with flying or menace mm -hmm. so i think that's that's good and that's in the right direction but the plus one plus one shows me that they don't necessarily understand what the right kind of incentive yeah. is or it, it just strikes me as lazy yeah, and also just last thing, like the best token pirate token producer in this set was probably Vraska, who you can't even play in this mm -hmm. color combination, so it was so sad. Um, but I guess moving on, we got just not too many more here. 
Um, uh, yeah. Do you so, want to do Gishath? Yeah, Gishath is another interesting one. Um, so, five, red, green, white, trample, vigilance, haste, seven, six. <laughs> Whenever Gishath, Sun's Avatar, deals combat damage to a player, reveal that many cards from the top of your library. Put any number of dinosaur creature cards from among them onto the battlefield and the rest on the bottom of your library in a random <laughs> order. So tell me your thoughts on this card. Yeah, so I want to talk about when I first saw this. I was like, whoa, like that's crazy. You get value immediately. But we hadn't seen much of the set at this point. Mm -hmm. So I was like, man, I wonder what dinosaurs are going to print. I hope there's enough to be good because there really wasn't enough. They hadn't announced that they were going to do some retconning on creature types mm -hmm. to make them dinosaurs at this point. So I was really not sure if there was going to be enough. And then we saw the rest of the set. And uh, though Gishath's ability is very strong, the the friends, the dino friends, just really can't pull their weight most mm -hmm. of the time. In a vacuum, like if you were to look at this card, I think is like extremely powerful. Like free creatures off the top of your library, it has haste and vigilance and trample, so it's probably getting in there, it's probably hitting someone. The haste is great when it costs eight, you get something right away. Mm -hmm. But just the rest of the deck underperforms so badly. Yeah, and it, oh god, it's really a shame that there are basically no dinosaurs that ramp you. They like offloaded mm -hmm. all the ramp onto the human members of the yes. Empire. <laughs> So um, sad. So they're just kind of blank cards in your deck, and you also got to consider the fact that Gishath has seven power. Yeah, is trying to get a bunch of dinosaurs on the field. Is that actually better than just pay eight mana, hit <laughs> for seven, and then next turn give him double strike yeah, and kill someone? And kill someone. <laughs> like, like with seven power, that always screams to me. Yeah, two three turn clock, yeah. or even, or potentially even less with double. If you're on color for double strike effects, which as a red-white commander, you are. Yeah. So it really begs the question of what do the dinosaurs add to your deck at yes. all? Is that route to victory going to be any better than just trying to two-shot or three-shot your opponents? Yeah, and uh, coupled with the fact that most of the dinosaurs have like attack triggers, cast triggers, or just goofy things like that. Mm -hmm. Like the reward for actually going in on the tribal synergies with Gishath are just so lackluster. Gishath doesn't, he, like, he doesn't have any uh, synergy with Enrage, the main tribal mechanic. He doesn't really help you curve out with dinosaurs. The fact that you're you're not getting most of your dinosaurs on the field until, like, turn eight, that's really too slow, <laughs> and it doesn't... I mean, I, I will grant him this. Uh, he makes dinosaurs more resilient to Wraths because mm -hmm. he can potentially reload your board yeah. with a big enough hit. But yeah, at that point, it's like anything you can do to make Gishath hit harder and get more dinosaurs also just reduces the clock he takes to kill someone by himself. So, so really, I don't think he's a really adequate dinosaur reward. No, yeah, just very, very upsetting. I know Gishath has fans, though. So I I encourage you to attack people with Gishath, but... Yeah, I think what Gishath... Well, we could touch on this briefly. What, what do you think Gishath would have needed in order to be a really good reward for committing to dinosaurs? Um, that is a good question. I think that... So I guess my question is, does Gishath need to be big? Like, does Gishath... If, son, if Gishath is the son's avatar, are we assuming Gishath is really big? Uh, I'm going to say no. No? Okay. If Gishath... Okay, so I guess my first bad idea is that if he, like, ETB'd and dealt damage um, and or gave your, like, dinosaurs death touch, something like that, 
because the fact that most of them have trample, like a way to get around blockers, a way to like leverage the abilities that, or the trample that most of your dinosaurs already have, like a trigger on attack. Like when he attacks, you can like get dinosaurs for free. So if he was cheaper or something like that, and opposed to just like a big beater, like he is kind of now. Yeah, I think I like the idea of him coming down earlier before your other dinosaurs because there are just so many dinosaurs that cost five or more. It'd be sweet if he could come down on turn, I don't know, like turn three and then maybe like reduce costs or, and or give your other dinosaurs haste. Otopek Huntmaster is like the dinosaur commander we need. Yes, <laughs> yeah, that card does um, everything you need. And uh, I also like the idea of synergizing with Enrage and the fact that dinosaurs tend to be pretty big. So maybe like when he attacks, you can pay X. If you do, deal X damage to each creature. Mm -hmm. So you clear out chump blockers and utility creatures and trigger your Enrage, that kind of stuff. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. (laughs) Yeah, but uh, instead we got an 8-drop that kills in 3 hits. (laughs) Yay. Um, yeah, I guess so. moving on to the last person we oh, have. Oh, there's one more after there's this. There's one more. Oh, you're right. You're right. Actually, let's let's talk about Vona first. So Vona Butcher of Magan is three white black for a 4-4 Vigilance lifelink, Vampire Knight. And she has tap, pay seven life, destroy target non-land permanent. Activate this ability only during your turn. So what's, <laughs> what's your impression of Vona? God, I was so upset when I saw activate only during your turn. <laughs> like why you're spending seven life and <laughs> tapping it. Like you, you can't, it's it, incredibly hard to abuse that even with like an untap effect. You blow up three permanents and you've lost over half your life. Yeah. So what are they, what are they worried about? And it's not like this would make like crazy waves in standard if it was an instant speed ability. I figure they just didn't like the gameplay of attack for four on my turn and then whatever permanent is most threat like it yeah it, it puts everyone in a shitty position i know i can't play this cool enchantment right now because then that's going to be the target at during the yeah. end step but like at least if vona does her thing first then you kind of have some play around it yeah yeah it just is so sad yeah, just I think she's a a good stuff commander. Yeah, it's mm, it's sort of okay that like this one isn't tribal because we just got Edgar Markov and like that is the <laughs> the tribal, tribal commander for black white vampires. You're just gonna uh, have red. Yeah. It's it's fine. I, I'm okay with there not being a black white tribal <laughs> vampire deck in addition to the black white red one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that was really the only other thought I had, was that it was interesting that they're like, yeah, in this set you get white vampires, and look at this value creature. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, that was very strange to me. Yeah, I think that for Gishath and Admiral Beckett Brass, they definitely needed to be tribal, mm-hmm. because those niches didn't already exist yeah. in the format, and so it's a shame that both of them were not adequate tribal yeah. rewards. Yeah, they just kind of were so scared. Yeah, but Vona, whatever, she can do whatever she wants. Another option for, like, payoff for your black-white life gain deck, whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Tishana, Voice of Hunger. Or Thunder. Oh, sorry, Voice of Thunder. I'm thinking of Vorinclex. You are thinking of Vorinclex. <laughs> um, uh, five green blue for a star star merfolk shaman. Her power and toughness are each equal to the number of cards in your hand. You have no maximum hand size. And when Tishana enters the battlefield, draw a card for each creature you control. How do you feel about Tishana? <laughs> 
So, How do you think she differentiates herself from the other Simic commanders? Oh, instead of having one big boy for Prime Speaker Zagana, you have multiple tiny boys. <laughs> so that's pretty different. But I'm, not but not in the same way as Edric, right? Oh, no, not the same way. I'm shaking my head <laughs> as I'm saying all these things. Actually, I'm going to say I don't think it was okay that this was not a tribal commander because merfolk don't necessarily have a good merfolk tribal commander. So the fact that this was just a value, another value, like draw cards, blue-green, good stuff, commander. You have some creatures, draw some cards, have a big guy that you can kill with commander damage with. It doesn't really lead to any particular game plan. Like, yes, it's better with tokens or whatever, but... But you're not going to be that upset if you draw four cards off your Tishana instead of eight cards. Yeah, exactly. And she just refills your hand, doesn't really push you in a direction other than having creatures. And of course, like you can go really hard on that, but I don't think the rewards are there. You, you can go hard on other token commanders and actually get a payoff for it. We've complained about this before, the fact yes. that there are just so many blue-green commanders and all they do is draw cards. Yes. Like, I really wish they would try to find more design space and more things you can do. Especially since just drawing cards without any, like, severe restriction or mm -hmm. hoop to jump through, that kind of just lends itself to good stuff. Yeah. You are, you're in green, you're just going to play a lot of good creatures anyway, mm -hmm. and then Tishana is like, well, you know, I'll reward you for the thing you were already doing. Yeah. So it's not really doing anything to increase the, like, diversity of cards played in these decks or... The diversity of decks in the format. The fact that Tishana stands as a good point of contrast relative to Vona, mm -hmm. because the tribal vampire deck had been done and been done adequately and had been done in a similar enough color identity, for that reason, I gave Vona a pass. Yeah. But with Tishana, A, prior to this set, there were no good Merfolk commanders. Yes. And there were, and Ver Merfolk had also been just mono blue mm -hmm. prior yeah, to yeah. this. That's a significant difference. Yeah, if you really like Sig, you maybe white, blue, but there weren't really that many payoffs in white either. Yeah, I mean, they had, there had been one in onesie, twosie merfolk. <laughs> yeah. Like Prime Speaker Zagana, okay, that's a good green, blue merfolk, but that's not a green, blue merfolk. No, or there definitely aren't not. any other green merfolk to really go in that deck. Mm -hmm. So I think Tishana was a huge missed opportunity at the time. I think we, mm -hmm. we will go into rivals and talk about how whether Kumana was a better. <laughs> but but also, I don't know if I agree with the idea of holding back the tribal merfolk commander a mm -hmm. whole set. Yeah, I when also you, agree. When you could have introduced it in this one instead of this commander that adds nothing to the format. Yeah, exactly. Is there anything else you want to say on the topic of commanders from Ixalan, or do you want to go into some of the, the many main deck cards in Ixalan yeah. that really shook up the commander form. Yeah, really shook up. I just think that uh, all in all, they're very lackluster or just slightly off the mark. Like, not quite what needed to exist for what they were trying to do. That's so sad. Yeah. That's so sad. Yeah, Beckett Brass, you're just not going to have a good time playing that deck because you're going to be told what to do and then not able to do it and that yeah. sounds like a really frustrating experience yeah it sounds terrible i think the first thing before we even talk about specific cards is that uh Ixalan had this problem where they were afraid to print good mythic rares yeah <laughs> most of them were so bad or that came into really sharp relief during the early MTG Arena beta. Yes, yeah. Because 
that was just Ixalan block format. Yeah. And so you would acquire these Mythic Rare wild cards and have nothing to spend them on. Because yeah. <laughs> there's just no good Mythics in that set. Yeah, it was, yeah. Uncommon wild cards were vastly more useful than Mythic Rare wild cards. Oh, yeah. Hilarious. Which is insane, yeah. The format there was a bunch of rekindling phoenixes, and I doubt you're going to be seeing many of those in your uh, Commander playgroup. Mm-hmm. There are some cards that were worth talking about that were interesting. Do you want to talk about some of them? Yeah. So you have a little bit of experience playing with this one. Yes. Uh, do you want to tell us about Axis of Mortality? Yeah, so Axis of Mortality is a white enchantment. It is four and two white. It has at the beginning of your upkeep, you may have two target players exchange life totals. This is just a big splashy effect. They've done stuff like this in the past. This is the most like streamlined version of this, uh, and also a repeatable version of this, and I really like it. I like playing this card when you and the crew have been slinging some cardboard and it's 2 a.m. and no one's paying attention. <laughs> That's usually where this card shines. <laughs> but um, this is definitely not a powerhouse or anything like that. I think it's just, it's funny. Yeah. That that is my my rolling of this card. Like I like playing with this card because it's funny, not necessarily because like it's won me a ton of games. Put it in your Ever deck. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Oh yeah, in your Ever deck, that's great. Yeah. No, I think it's a a cool card. I think it adds something to white black decks because in general, life gain in Commander is not very strong. Mm-hmm. You, once you get past Grey Merchant of Asphodel, Kokusho, Exanguinade. <laughs> Once you get past full of that like handful of cards, there's just not a whole lot of a lot of good ways to gain life. But this is a great one, I think. Um, yeah, it synergizes really well with all the life payment stuff in black. Gives you almost a win condition for a control deck that's like really interested in exchanging life for other kinds of resources. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a cool card. Definitely not a huge impact on the format, but it's a useful tool and I'm glad it exists. Yeah. Yeah. I was happy that card was printed. Yeah. I mean, I have seen it win a game. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so that was cool. Um, not, I think the, the rest of these are a bit more workmanlike though, a bit more broad in their application. So we also have the next card that from this set that seems to have made an impact on the format. Search for Azkanta has been useful in more tuned metagames. Yeah, yeah, I think it's just a way to get a lot of consistent value. Self-mill is probably the best mill. Uh, It's just like the easiest way to get value. Part repeatable card selection at a very cheap cost, Mm -hmm. and then eventually ramps you and offers a source of card advantage. Mm -hmm. So yeah, Search for Azkanta. That's a good card to add yeah. to the format. Um, the, the standout from the flip lands, I think. Mm-hmm. Next we've got uh, Ruin Raider, which I haven't really seen this make a splash, but I still think this has potential. I think it may just be an issue of there aren't enough decks in black that are looking to invest in attackers and that kind of stuff. But I still think that that was a good addition to the format, and when the right deck crops up, there's going to be a very valuable card for him yeah i do want to so i want to go back and talk about what these cards were oh Um, uh, Oh, yeah yeah because we're just looking at a a sheet with them all on it but that's true um, we may have to read out uh (laughs) search for his kanta yeah it's like two paragraphs of text yeah so search for his kanta is one in a blue for legendary enchantment at the beginning of your upkeep look at the top card of your library you may put it into your graveyard then if you have seven or more cards in your graveyard you may transform search for his kanta Once you transform it, it's a legendary land that taps for blue. 
and has two and a blue tap. Look at the top four cards of your library. You may reveal a non-creature, non-land card from among them and put it into your hand. Put the rest on the bottom in any order. Yep, and then everything we said before applies. The Ruin Raider is a 3-2 uh, Orc Pirate, is that what it is? Correct. Okay. Or uh, two and a black. Yeah, and it has Raid, so at the beginning of your end step, if you attacked with a creature this turn, reveal the top card of your library and put that card into your hand. You lose life equal to that card's converted mana cost. Very similar to the, or it basically is the Dark Confidant ability. The fact that it triggers the same turn you cast it is pretty mm -hmm. useful. Yeah, it's nice. Being able to kind of get a card immediately is good. The next one we we're going to talk about, yeah, Star of Extinction. So this is a uh, red sorcery. It's five and two red, so seven CMC. It says, destroy target land. Star of Extinction deals 20 damage to each creature and each planeswalker. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so this is... Another red wrath, like red kind of needed these, kills pretty much everything. There's other goofy things you can do, like if you have like a hornet nest, you get a bunch of bees, goofy things like that. But for the most part, this is just a good board wipe in red. Yeah, I definitely, <laughs> a couple years ago, I was definitely calling for more red mass damage spells that didn't hit players. Yeah. Because it really, like, if you're the deck playing a lot of board wipes, you're probably taking on a more controlling role, and then damaging your own life total yeah. is not something you want to be doing. Yeah, you don't want to earthquake every turn when you're not able to get your life back easily. Yeah, like, if you're, be if you're defensive enough that you need to kill the creatures on the board, then you're probably already at a lower life total than your opponent. <laughs> yeah. So you're just helping him out in that respect. So I like that Star of Extinction just hits creatures. I mean, it's enough damage that it'll kill anything. It's also mm -hmm. a good answer to Planeswalkers. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't really think any Planeswalker, even a really highly ticked up Ugin, isn't really going to live through that. <laughs> yeah, and then Destroying Target Land is a nice little trinket text. Yeah. It is obviously uh, incredibly expensive. Like, yeah, it doesn't, a lot. doesn't do a great job competing with Blasphemous Act or mm -hmm. some of the more efficient red board wipes. I definitely wouldn't have minded if this cost two mana less and only did ten mana damage. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that would have been fine. Uh, you know, maybe. Maybe that would have been good. Yeah, but unfortunately the dictates of the color pie is that red can't be as good at this kind of thing as black or white. Weep womp. Weep womp. <laughs> the last card I wanted to talk about from Ixalan before we move on to evaluating rivals of Ixalan yeah. is Hostage Taker. And I think this card is sweet. I was pretty mm -hmm. high on it when it first came out and I'm still pretty into it. Yeah. It's two blue black for a two three human pirate. When it enters the battlefield, exile, target, artifact, or creature until Hostage Taker leaves the battlefield. You may cast that card for as long as it remains exiled, and you may spend mana as though it were mana of any type to cast that spell. That's Your great. I like that you can cast stuff as if it was snow mana. That's my favorite part mm -hmm. about this. Uh, no, but this actually, my favorite part about this is just that it's good. It, it has the New Age uh, Oblivion Ring text where like they can get it back from random places, but you probably cast it before yeah. they get a chance to do that. So I mean, the... if they can't remove it while the ability is on the stack, mm -hmm. then you have priority. Yeah, and so that's great. If you can blink it or if you can get it back from the graveyard after you've cast the thing over and over again, like it's recurable card advantage. Just the fact that like you can just steal the best thing on the board 
a lot of the time is enough to like put you in a pretty good position too yeah so and and it's cheap it's four mana and also it's like so annoying to have to deal with like your commander on someone else's side of the table (laughs) yeah i think that this was a filled a really important niche in the format Mm -hmm. like other than gilded drake there's basically nothing that's just like etb gain control of something forever so hostage taker gives us that ability and does so in a form that's like you said really easily abusable yeah blink or reanimation tricks Mm -hmm. so yeah great addition to the format yeah really probably my favorite card out of ixalan i would say oh yeah yeah i mean that's definitely it's got hilarious great art got some like stockholm syndrome going on with these Mm -hmm. lady pirates and just a good effect i think overall just talking about ixalan and this is not like i want to stay away from talking about limited but the same problems crop up is that there's just so few playable cards mm-hmm. that for your collection, like, it, I feel so bad for people that bought boxes of Ixalan just to open because... The value. The value is just not there. Evaporated. Yeah. yeah, they're just, like, most of the creatures were too narrow or too generic, and I think that was one of the things that the set really uh, suffered from was that uh, the designs in the set were very bread and butter magic. They didn't really push into areas like a lot of the dinosaurs. When this enrage dealed two damage, or like when this enters deal three damage, or the merfolk were like, put a plus one plus one counter on this. Like there wasn't really anything splashy and exciting. Mm-hmm. And there wasn't anything that did any of those normal effects in a interesting or big enough way to make an effect in any reasonable regard. And you notice we only mentioned like five cards out of this <laughs> set. And there are like tribal cards mm-hmm. within the set that will see play in the tribal decks. But the fact is that's only four decks out of the hundreds in the format. Yeah. Like, So a lot of the power was just concentrated in cards that were extremely narrow yes. in their application. So the set was like much less impactful on Commander than the mm-hmm. average standard legal set yeah yeah and another thing that i I, thank you for bringing up like splashiness Mm -hmm. another thing that i neglected to mention when we were talking about the design development of the set the flip cards in the set were actually added very late in design Mm -hmm. because basically gavin verhey's product architecture team came along and said wow there is nothing exciting in Ixalan. <laughs> yeah. Like, we have got to do something right now. Please save this set. Yeah. yeah, so they threw in the 10 flip cards just to add splash value to a set that they knew going out of, like, would have bombed. Yeah. And it's, I gotta say, like, it's it's interesting to see the contrast between when the sheet of rares for Ixalan was spoiled mm-hmm. versus when we got the early spoils from Dominaria. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was, that's a that's night and day completely. Yeah, everyone's reactions to all of it was so completely different. Yeah, seeing Ixalan and seeing like so many rares, how is this relevant to Commander? Well, maybe if their dinosaur deck is good enough this could see play in that deck but it doesn't go anywhere else yes and it was like going through every rare on that sheet was that exact same experience Mm -hmm. and it was so disappointing whereas with dominaria like if anything seeing the spoiled cards from that set just made everyone way more excited about it because dominaria is so backwards compatible i think Mm -hmm. that has a, a big part of it um historic that works with everything Everything prior, every set prior. In the past, you know, since Legends, since, like, since Alpha. 
and the mechanics in Dominaria, like Kicker, obviously, mm -hmm. there's a lot that you can do with that, and it goes into many different decks. Mm -hmm. It's just lacking the narrowness of Ixalan. How do you think they're going to design tribal sets going forward? Ooh, yeah. So I think one good part about Ixalan and the Ixalan block as a whole was that it showed that they were willing to do non-uniform groupings, so like two three-color tribes and two two-color tribes, mm -hmm. which I think is good. I think it's good when magic kind of steps out of its comfort zone and does something. And I think that this, at the bare minimum, did well enough to where they're like, oh, okay, like people liked this. Like they liked this aspect of the set, so they'll do that again. So I think in that regard, they will be more willing to put tribes in colors that need it and not necessarily worry about color balance, force red-green werewolves because red green needed a color or something like that or, mm -hmm. or uh spirits in white blue when like it could have just been like white black spirits so i think that's something that will carry forward the other thing is i think that a lot of these tribal designs were either really streamlined or really subtle and some of the subtle designs were cool and those are the ones that i think they're going to keep going forward with so like the this card wasn't very splashy but burden sun's avatar was a 5-5 five, five for 5 and 2 green, but it didn't necessarily say, it is a dinosaur, it didn't say dinosaur on the card, it just says when another creature enters the battlefield under your control, gain life equal to that creature's toughness, but dinosaurs are big, you put in your dinosaur deck, you gain a lot of life. I think stuff like that is a way that they're going to try and move forward with tribal sets. Like... I, I thought that Enrage was pretty clever. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Definitely found a subtle way to make use of what the tribe naturally wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I think that that is the biggest lesson they learned, is that they can take these things and instead of literally stamping, like, pirate, dinosaur, merfolk onto it, they'll be able to think about, like, oh, what does Chupacabra tribal want to be? And then they yeah. can move forward from that. Finding more, uh, like, uh, finding tribal rewards that are based on the existing mechanics and characteristics of that tribe. Mm -hmm. See, that's that's great. I, I think that's... Like when I try to design, uh, when I try yeah. my hand at design, <laughs> yeah. that's what I try to do. A couple things I think that they might, a couple lessons I think they might take from this experience with Ixalan. Mm -hmm. I think that, and, and I'm not going to speak too much on the limited, mm -hmm. but because Ixalan limited was so on rails, yes. <laughs> I think they are going to be, I think in the future, tribal will not be such a strong component. I think that they might go back to what they have been doing with tribal being a smaller component yeah, in a larger piece. set because that kind of makes everyone happy. The way they've been doing it prior to Ixalan is like every block will get one tribe mm -hmm. that is highlighted in one two color pair out of the 10 draft archetypes. Yeah. And that kind of makes that that works for everyone. It's it's fun for the people who like that and uh, gives whatever color combo something to do in limited commander might get a cool commander exactly but the fact that in ixalan there wasn't any way to easily build in cards that synergize with multiple decks or multiple tribes yeah. like there weren't any changelings yeah so whereas in any other set there are cards that you can put in that specifically go into archetype a or archetype b but you can't have, like, a vampire dinosaur. Or, or, yeah. like, or they didn't allow themselves to yeah. do that in this set. Yeah, people, I remember people were complaining. They're like, we don't have a pirate dinosaur? And they're like, nope, sorry, buddies. Like, yeah, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah, they're like, you guys, sorry, that's ridiculous. Yeah, the fact that they didn't give themselves the design tool of changelings led to it being more on rails. Also, the fact that 
the two two color archetypes that weren't supported by a tribe the mm-hmm. black green and white blue they didn't really make those loud enough yeah uh, yeah in in draft so there weren't very many options if you weren't interested in playing tribal it's just you have to be all in on these tribes and unfortunately like if you don't connect with any of those tribes if you don't find them like resonant or don't enjoy yeah. the gameplay there's just no option for you because there's only four of them <laughs> as opposed to the <laughs> normal 10 try. draft archetypes that you can choose between in a regular format mm-hmm. and then it let's say like one of those yeah well i'm not even going to talk about limited if someone was picking the same things you were then you both were kind of screwed yeah. too so yeah it was pretty pretty lame last thing on the subject of Ixalan. And actually, you know what? Maybe we'll... Um... We'll save that to the end. This yeah, is, we'll save yeah, that Because this is kind of governing both blocks, or both sets. Okay. So, um, now, Rivals, um, I mean, to a lot of limited players, uh, Relief, like, made the format a lot nicer. Um, it basically took this format from, like, on-rails, very low number of playables, to an actual fun format that was very deep and interesting. And also, I mean, brought... a decent amount more for commander but not necessarily anything too uh yeah. spicy <laughs> yeah I, I mean we'll get into these in a moment but our list of relevant cards from ixalan is there's like six of them or something yeah like that. but basically the same number as in uh ixalan itself yeah which is uh, i mean the, and, and again this is going to be the kind of thing where like there are some cards that fit into certain decks in particular that we're not going to necessarily bring up yeah i don't think we need to mention legion lieutenants impact on the commander <laughs> format as a yeah. whole yes um so, stuff like that yeah so we'll start by going through the commanders of rivals of ixalan yeah and just talk a little bit about their decks if they had what they needed oh god can i talk about this first one so this is the talpa primal dawn as uh, the is an elder dinosaur four eight four six and two white now, if you're thinking that's a lot of mana for a 4-8, it also has Flying, Double Strike, Vigilance, Trample, and Indestructible. And that's it. It's just a kitchen sink dinosaur. This card <laughs> is hilarious. Like, getting to 8 in white is a chore. Because if you're just using mana rocks, like, you better hope they don't get blown up. If you're using, like, land tax, like, you're still waiting 8 turns before you get any payoff, and then it's still, like, Swords to Plowshares mm-hmm. still messes with this. So the, as far as, like, a big creature, it is it is pretty hilarious. There's things you can abuse it with uh, discarding it and having creatures gain its abilities and stuff like that. Oh, it's yeah. It's been a bigger the, use. The uh, Flare yeah, yeah. combo deck. Soul Flare Soul, Yeah, Soul Flare, the yeah. Delve guy. And so far as Commander goes... Uh, Oh, and this is part of a cycle. So Zatalpa is one of six elder dinosaurs, but five monocolor ones that kind of all were trying to exemplify the colors. Mm-hmm. I, I think that was the goal. I'm not quite sure. I think they may have just all just tried to do something exciting. And this one oh, is yeah. definitely... Oh, it's definitely exciting. Yeah, it's uh, it's better than Akroma. Yeah, so uh, I like Zatalpa a lot as a design. It definitely improves on Akroma in a lot of ways. It's fewer words and yeah. more powerful. <laughs> yes, which is great. Yeah. Um, the only downside is uh, it's just so incredibly expensive. Like, white is not exactly the ramp color, so it's not going to be nearly as effective as it would be if it had green or something in its color identity. Yeah, pretty sad. Yeah, although being indestructible matters a lot for white's board wipes. Yes, oh yeah. 
Oh, yeah, I actually didn't think about that. If you can actually get it out, mm-hmm. then you can still just wrath freely. That's yeah. pretty exciting. How do you feel about the elder creature type? It seems like they're using it a lot more these days. Yeah, I think they realize that people like it. They were really hesitant for a long time, and then they realized, like, why? Yeah, there was basically <laughs> none in between Legends and uh, Dragons of Tarkir. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. then we got the, the elder dragons there. I think that it is a cool way to signify that these things are very important where they're from. Mm-hmm. And there's not really a reason to... It's not like they're cheapening... Especially if they only use it on big splashy things like this, it's not cheapening the creature type. Yeah, if it's only like legends who are who are flavored to be very old. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, it's and, nice that they added it to Bells and Lock. Yes, exactly. Um, so the the other thing I want to mention about Zatalpa that is not actually card-related is just, like, like she's so big. <laughs> like, this is this giant, like, pterodactyl flapping its wings and destroying, like, giant archways above the city. It's like blotting out the sun. It's very hilarious. That's all I want to say about that. They've done a great job of uh, providing a sense of scale for the dinosaurs, Mm -hmm. especially the larger ones. Yeah. Although it is weird that Colossal Dreadmaw is bigger than Carnage Time. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think the the idea with that one, because I was thinking about this when I was playing Arena the other day, was that uh, Carnage Tyrant might be smaller, but like it will just mess you up Just more stronger and more ferocious yeah faster sure. like smarter <laughs> <laughs> um but moving on to i think the next dinosaur right yeah nezahal primal tide so this is a rather large dinosaur and it i think that mark rosewater said at some point that if it weren't for the constraints of the set dinosaurs would make the most sense in red green and blue mm-hmm. and nezahal gives you uh, a good idea of what they'd look like in blue it's yeah sort of like a an aquatic type dinosaur. So Nezahal is five blue blue for a legendary creature elder dinosaur. Nezahal is seven seven and can't be countered. You have no maximum hand size. Oh, there's a lot. <laughs> Whenever an opponent casts a non-creature spell, draw a card. Discard three cards, exile Nezahal, and return it to the battlefield tapped under its owner's control at the beginning of the next. <laughs> there's a lot going on. Uh, there is and there isn't, though, is the funniest part about this card. Like, it can be... You can basically collapse it down to this is intended to be like the blue finisher for control decks Mm -hmm. yeah it after playing with this card a little bit i like it a lot more than when i first saw it but i making a nezahal deck i don't actually know i just see just being mono blue control Mm -hmm. i haven't actually thought about what this list would even look like when your commander is uh mr grimora yeah like i I mean it just draws cards it's hard difficult to stop yeah it's just a I mean, I think it's going to serve the same purpose it was intended to serve for standard, which is just in a hard control deck, this is, provides a way to win. Yeah. Although, yeah, I mean, I guess a three hits, that's a yeah. reasonable clock. Yeah, that's pretty cool. It doesn't have evasion. Uh, I remember in the drive to work when he was, uh, Mark Rosewater was talking about, was it a drive to work? Have you, I think he talked about that already, right? Uh, you think have was to a, give me a little more details about what he was yeah, talking about. I think it was a drive to work. I can't remember if it was an Ixalan one, because I can't remember if we've gotten through those yet. Card by cards for Ixalan. But uh, he definitely talked about Nezahal. Um, maybe it was just an article saying that they wanted a dinosaur that, like, 
dove under the water and they're like how do we do that oh. and so that was where the discard three cards came from so in the, in that regard that's kind of cool like a flavor where was this guy for so long he was under the water oh interesting yeah yeah no i hadn't uh heard that story i just assumed it was because i think that like pearl lake ancient has yeah had a similar similar ability i assumed they were going from the direction of how will blue win in standard <laughs> yeah as opposed to like top down water dinosaur <laughs> i think that definitely came about this is the card that they're giving to blue control decks to win in standard in the same way that perlink ancient was um i think that honestly i like nezahal more than the ancient i think the ancient was a lot more so to compare the perlink ancient is a six well i like seeing this effect at rare rather than mythic but <laughs> oh yeah exactly so um yeah that's also true Perlic Ancient was a 6-7 Leviathan for 5 and 2 blue. It has Flash. It also can't be countered. It has Prowess. And you can return 3 lands you control to their owner's hand to return Perlic Ancient to its owner's hand. So same kind of thing like an evasive, large, uncounterable threat. Uh, the difference being Nezahal draws you cards and Perlic Ancient drops you back in mana. And... I'm, like I said, much happier to open Nezahal mm -hmm. oh, in yeah. my rare slot than Pearl Lake in my Mythic slot. Yes, 100%. I don't think... I mean, this is definitely splashy. Yeah. It's big. All right, uh, next card. <laughs> uh, one that, unfortunately, does not work in Commander. Yeah, poor, um, poor guy. Tetsamok, Primal Death, Sexy Tetsy. Sexy Tetsy. The bane of uh, limited players everywhere. yeah. Oh, yeah. Honestly, like, you have to wonder... I mean, I assume there just weren't enough Mythic slots in this in this set, because, like, Zatalpa, that could easily oh, be yeah. Mythic. Like, Pearl Lake Ancient provides a pretty good template for Nezahal being mm -hmm. Mythic, and then Tetsamok, you really don't want that ruining. Oh, my God, yes. Limited. Yeah. So you gotta wonder, like, why wasn't this, like... I mean, I guess a Mythic cycle in a small set is a lot of space. Yeah, that is a lot of space for the set. Yeah. Yeah, but um, Tetsamok, uh, I'm going to read it, steal sure. from you. Uh, it is a 6-6 six, six Elder Dinosaur for 4 and 2 black. Uh, it has Death Touch. It also has the ability, black, reveal Tetsamok Primal Death from your hand. Put a Prey Counter on target creature. Activate this ability only during your turn. And then whenever Tetsamok enters the battlefield, destroy each creature opponent's control with a Prey Counter on it. So, um... If you spend a bunch of black mana putting prey counters onto your own guys, like, sorry, you're not blowing them up. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, this definitely does not work in Commander. <laughs> you gotta jump through some hoops to get this bad boy in your hand. Not very exciting as a Commander. I mean, there's always Erratic Portal, but really, <laughs> if you want to kill stuff, if you want a Commander that kills stuff, Visara costs the exact same amount. Yes. And is way better at it. Yes. <laughs> If this had had seven power, I would have thought that maybe it would have something going for it, because then at least yeah. it's the same but kind a of thing. Like a big thing. clock on my vanilla creature. Yeah, it's just not, yeah, like, there's not even worth anything there. Yeah. The next one has some play to it, though. Yeah. Uh, Atali Primal Storm. It's four red red for a legendary elder dinosaur. Six six. And whenever Atali Primal Storm attacks, exile the top card of each player's library. <laughs> then you may cast any number of non-land cards exiled this way without paying their mana costs. Nice. Um, <laughs> so this card is uh, pretty sweet. It's actually one of the more popular out of the uh, yeah. Elder Cycle. Um, the, the other 
popular one being, of course, Galta, but we'll get to that in a minute. Yeah, minute. that'll be um, momentarily. Yeah, I've seen a lot of people who are excited about Atali because uh, it sort of serves the same... It plays similarly to Kalia in that it's a commander oh, yeah. that doesn't really need mana. So it synergizes really well with mass land destruction effects. If you can Atali and then destroy all lands, like you're going to be still casting multiple spells a turn, yeah. and your opponents will be casting zero, and hopefully you will be able to win in that situation. <laughs> I've seen some pretty brutal uh, combat steps with Atali so far, and I've also cloned an Atali and attacked twice in a row and gotten five lands mm, both times. <laughs> so, so it's definitely a swingy. I mean, that, that definitely makes it, I feel like, pretty good in red. Yeah. Um, like red, red just needs more in its pool of um, multiplayer effects, and I think this is like a cool way to do that. It's also like really splashy because it's it's just a six six for six, which like it's kind of whatever. It doesn't have haste or anything could like have been that. A demon. It could have been a demon, <laughs> <laughs> but um, I think that this was actually a pretty cool. This one was was a very cool addition yeah. to Commander as a whole and just Magic. I think. Yeah, and and there's definitely some uh, a couple ways to build around it. Like mm-hmm. it synergizes very well with extra combat step effects. Oh yeah. Um, if you have any way to set up the top card of your library, scroll yeah. rack top, that goes really well towards making sure that Itali doesn't uh, get with... you a bunch of lands. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so he's a cool commander. Um, I'm. I agree. I think he does add something to the format. Yeah, which is cool. The next one is the the aforementioned Galta. Uh, so Galta Primal Hunger is a 12-12 Elder Dinosaur for 12 mana, 10 and 2 green. That's it. <laughs> that's it, no. <laughs> um, it has Trample, so uh, that's cool. And then it also, uh, the the important, this, this little bit of text here, uh, Galta Primal Hunger ha- costs X less to cast, where X is the total power of creatures you control. So, basically it turns all of your little creatures, or big creatures, or any creatures, into mana acceleration for your commander. Mm-hmm. Turns your Llanowar Elves into mana acceleration. <laughs> what? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it makes your Llanowar Elves way better. This is cool. This is like a, you get a big beater, and it's really consistent, and it's really fast, uh, and it's mono green, so it like totally appeals to what mono green players tend to want to yeah. do. Uh, we've got a friend who built this, and I think it's like pretty consistently turns four or five. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty consistent. Yeah, and then the fact that it's so large, it's uh, you can berserk it. Uh, yes. Uh, give it double strike. There's a couple of effects that'll. Yeah, there's some equipment that yeah. do it. Um, the the sick tech that my friend came up with was consulate dreadnought, the one mana seven eleven mm. uh, crew six vehicle from Kaladesh, uh, which, like, is actually better than I thought it would be, which is way upsetting to me, because he told me about that, and I thought, like, this is really dumb, but okay, like, go for it, and then it actually has been working out, (laughs) which is really hilarious. Although, you gotta wonder, if you already have seven power, or six power... Mm -hmm. That it's really only like a f- an additional four. Although I guess it's if- good for Rass is the yeah. big thing because like you can pretty consistently get to uh, six power after a Wrath. Mm-hmm. But when Galta starts costing, oh, which is another cool thing about Galta, when Galta starts costing like sixteen, seventeen, or sixteen, eighteen, twenty, like mana, the having cost reduction, yeah, still helps. the cost yeah. reduction still helps, and then having a seven power thing that didn't get Wrath that you can like activate again. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, you have thirteen power on the battlefield. And, like, 
Galta probably only costs six, so you can get her out again. So it's this, like, really strange, like, anti-wrath tech that mm. is in there. So that's a fun fun one for everybody out there. I like it. I definitely think that uh, I'd like to see more commanders with built-in cost reduction in the future, especially oh, yeah. aggressive ones. Yeah, yeah. Because those are the decks that are most likely to have to cast their commander again and again. Because, <laughs> so, yeah, they're just going to keep dying. <laughs> so, like... I'm happy if the control deck that only wants to cast its commander once or twice per game, if they are stuck paying the Whatever commander tax, yeah. whereas the aggro decks are uh, incentivized to... To build a certain way. Yeah. Yeah, I 100% to agree. To keep getting their commander out like they're supposed to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and I think Galta like, was a really cool payoff for that. Mm-hmm. So the next one is an important story character, yeah. uh, Azor the Lawbringer. So two white-white, blue-blue... For a 6-6 flyer, Sphinx, when Azor enters the battlefield, each opponent can't cast instant or sorcery spells during that player's next turn. Whenever Azor attacks, you may pay Sphinx. You may cast Sphinx's Revelation. Yeah, yeah, you can uh, X white blue blue uh, gain X draw X. So this is oh. So first off, I want to talk about the story stuff briefly because I love that crap. Um, so Azor is the founder of the Azorius Guild, hence the, uh, the name, um, and hence the triangles everywhere. He's, like, mega into triangles for some reason. Mm-hmm. This, I think, kind of fits that Azorius playstyle pretty well. You enter, and all of a sudden they can't wrath, they can't use spot removal for a turn, like, or opponents can't, which is pretty... Although like, they can cast it on each other's turns. Oh, it's each other's turns? Really? So each opponent oh, can each opponent. during oh. that player's. So yeah, they are gonna have to wait until... The guy on the left's upkeep to cast the Doomblade. <laughs> that is so... F- I thought they just couldn't cast it. That's so. I thought it, like, detained. Oh, well, well, nah, look at me. The fool over here. Um, <laughs> but the fool. Boo-boo the fool. But um, the Sphinx's rev on attack is very strong. Mm-hmm. I kind of discount repeatable effects like that. Like, Flame Blast Dragon was one that I always, like, look at, and I'm like, it's so boring, but it's just always pretty good. Yeah, and this is pretty good. Also, it's th- the same I, way. I think a, a decent point of comparison is, um, well, it's an okay point of comparison. I'm thinking of Geth. Lord of the oh Lord. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like commanders with big X activations. Like, uh, if I mean, if the reward is good enough, it's kind of lame because like you're spending uh, so much of your mana just dumping into that ability and you're not mm-hmm. really playing your other cards yeah so you you do have to take a turn to do the thing or whatever it is that your your commander is saying mm-hmm. uh, i think with geth that was a feature and not a bug new players they're like oh like look at this and for old players they're like oh he sphinxes revs that's hilarious yeah i think another so one thing that's better about geth relative to azor is that with geth it's just x black mm-hmm. so you can do it in as small a portion as you want you yeah. can just like leave two mana open to grab that soul ring that got destroyed. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas with Azor, because the uh, initial cost is so high, like you are you have to pay white, blue, blue every single time. So yes. you're really kind of encouraged to put pump more mana in, into that as opposed to doing it for... Just one or two. Yeah. Yeah, yeah true. Um, but whatever, he uh, works with... Um, he works with blink effects, and there's plenty of those in white blue. Mm-hmm. Um, he'll it is, fill your hand, draw some cards. Yeah, it is a six six flyer. Like yeah. that's not a that's a pretty sizable body. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and you get what you pay for, like six six flyer for six is like that's that's good. That's yeah. fine. I think he's uh he's pretty good stuff, but uh yeah yeah I don't think this necessarily draws you into any direction because you're not super rewarded for the blinking, like making your opponents not cast, uh, instants and sorceries for some timing restriction like mm-hmm. that's for not one quarter of <laughs> yeah, one the... cycle of turns yeah um so i definitely think that he yeah lends to good stuff more uh-huh. um but i guess moving on the next guy is uh you'd heard us mention him before um so it's kumena tyrant of Arazka. uh kumena is a two four merfolk shaman for one green blue uh kumena has a bunch of activated abilities the first one is Tap another untapped merfolk you control. Kumena uh, can't be blocked this turn. Tap three untapped merfolk you control. Draw a card. Tap five untapped merfolk you control. Put a plus one, plus one counter on each merfolk you control. Um, This is the tribal lord for merfolk that they finally gave everybody. I think that he is kind (laughs) of (laughs) sad. I guess my, my initial thought is that Man, that sure is a lot of merfolk to draw a card before you get rest. Because mm-hmm. you, you need a... I know, it's funny. You can spend three mana on your Kumena and draw one card for every three merfolk. Or you could spend three mana on your Edric and draw one card for every one merfolk. Yeah, yeah. it's just the, the deal is not very sweet here. And then the pump effect, the uh, tap five on tap merfolk you control, put a counter on each merfolk, like... That is that is a hefty steeping. Yeah, the thing is, like, if you're trying to go aggro, like, what's the optimal? Yeah, yeah. Why do you want to take a turn to put a counter on your guys? And why is it just one counter? Like, one counter on five guys is not a lot. There's really not that much going on here. And then so the turn you took off gives the other control player, like, one more turn to dig and find their wrath yeah. to get your your board taken care of. It's pretty pretty sad. The the one thing I think he had going for him was the fact that he can be unblockable. Um and that's like not actually impressive. Yeah, I mean having <laughs> like base two power. Yeah, yeah. You like, can pump him for one each turn by tapping your five other merfolk. Yes, and then get in there. Like it's pretty Yeah, it's tap pretty five sad. merfolk to put a counter on him, tap a sixth merfolk to make him unblockable. <laughs> Yo, we'll get him eventually, guys. <laughs> We're coming in, coming in hot. Yeah, so just uh, all in all, I mean that was my take on Kamina was just the incredibly slow, very um it's a very slow and boring reward for building in this tribe. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to say that I think that green-blue like feels really right for Merfolk. Now that they've yeah. done it, um, oh yeah, it definitely it like I'm glad that they did, and hopefully it's something we can see more in the future. Like for example, when we return to Ravnica this fall. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Hopefully, Prime Speaker's not the only one. Yeah, um, because like. <laughs> merfolk were always a little weird because blue is like the color of progress and technology and civilization but on so many planes merfolk just kind of swim and live their lives and the only thing that really like philosophically they don't feel very connected to blue they're just blue because like blue is a drop yes. of water and they <laughs> live in the water yep like they live more in nature and they're not built up technologically mm-hmm. like 
philosophically makes them feel very green. So it's yeah been a great fit, I think. Yeah, I'm very happy. I think the 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 green gives merfolk a lot more play. It gives them the counters, which is super cool. Mm-hmm. Like the plus one plus one counters on your like sneaky merfolk, like just like fit really well. Like the gameplay felt like merfolk kind of does anyway. Like um, like modern merfolk does that did that before, and now with the green edition, still is the same. So it just kind of like once it was there, it was very obvious that like oh this actually is pretty natural. Mm-hmm. So totally agree with that. Yeah. So but to get onto the design of Kamena, um, <laughs> I think that it doesn't feel very strongly like Merfolk. The plus one plus one counters is not a long standing association with Mer- like doesn't have mm-hmm. a long standing association with Merfolk. Um, it's really just been an Ixalan block that they've been pushing it in that direction because, yes. like, having a plus one plus one counter archetype, like, makes designing limited easier. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, and it's so backwards compatible, too. Yeah, and then, like, draw a card is kind of a pretty generic reward. <laughs> yes. Um, so, in both respects, it doesn't feel incredibly like Merfolk. What I would have liked to have seen mm-hmm. is, like, go back and look at all the Merfolk that have been printed. What is the is there a common mechanical connection that you can hang your hook on? And mm-hmm. one thing that I thought would have been cool is, you know, for a similar cost, two or three, you have uh, you have a merfolk that says, like, whenever you draw a card other than the first card you would draw during each of your turns, put a plus one plus one counter on each merfolk you control. Oh, yeah, that'd be cool. Because there are actually a decent number of merfolk that draw cards. Mm-hmm. And so you're incentivized and like, so A, you can build it like, I'm just going to put a, I'm just going to go Voltron, put a bunch of counters on this guy, Mm -hmm. which is with cantrips and that's fine. Yeah. Or you, I play this merfolk that, I play my Silvergill Adept, then I play this other merfolk that draws cards, then I play this other merfolk. Yeah. And that way, like, I really feel like I'm playing a merfolk deck. These cards have been in Magic forever as opposed to... Like, I'm playing this commander where you could easily, like, cross out Merfolk and put in Thalid or Pomerid, Cephalid. Yeah, really any other creature type in that that is related to blue or green. Yeah, like, this doesn't do anything to uh, synergize with what's already in the tribe. Uh, Did we skip... Alendra? We did. Oh, yeah. Um, so funny. I guess we'll talk about Alenda. So this one, actually, I feel like... Um, That's Saint Alenda, by the way. Saint Alenda, yeah. And her fabulous hair. She is a 1-1 one, one with Vampire Knight with lifelink. She costs two, one white and one black, so four CMC. She has whenever another creature dies, put a plus one, plus one counter on Alenda the Dusk Rose. When Alenda dies, create X, one, one white vampire creature tokens with lifelink, where X is Alenda's power. I don't like commanders with dies triggers. Oh yeah, because a I feel like that's confusing for new players, mm-hmm. and b like it just doesn't work the way you want it to. If you're sending your commander back to the command zone, then you don't get the dies trigger, so you have oh, to like yeah. send oh, Alenda yeah. to your graveyard, and then just hopefully have some way to to get her back. Get her yeah, back. Yeah, I didn't actually think about that. So this actually is like suffers from Tetsumok syndrome. Where yeah, it's not very good for a commander. Yeah, that's really funny. I haven't actually thought about this card. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's. Uh, I feel like it builds into a token sacrifice deck. 
Yeah. And uh, fortunately, we've never had a good black-white token sacrifice commander. (laughs) (laughs) But I can imagine using Alenda as the head of a deck. Like, let's say you you have a Tasa deck, and people wouldn't believe you when you told them that you weren't comboing off. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you could switch it for Alenda. Yeah, and then it would be a very fair thing. Like, you sack your (laughs) Bloodcast a couple times, get some counters, sack Alenda, get a whole bunch more fodder. Yeah. It's almost it's like Nether Trader, the commander. Yeah, that's really funny. Yeah, and then yeah. you just have to have a way to recur her. Yeah, and so as far as like, again, getting on the tribal kick, like this is not, like yes, you get vampires when she dies, and yes, she is a vampire, but this is not actually like necessarily a vampire tribal. And that's fine. Yeah, this is. The, I think in this vein is fine. And again, I think that's because so recently we'd had so many good, or we'd had like the best vampire commander printed. Yeah. So, like, just, like, a cool vampire that does things that you can build around, or you can slot into other decks was cool. Um, I think the other tribes don't get that benefit, though, from yeah. this. So, uh, vampires lucked out there. Okay, moving on. Uh, it is the final member of the Elder Dinosaur <laughs> six-card cycle. Zakama Primal Calamity. Six red, green, white for a 9-9 nine, nine Vigilance Reach Trample. When Zakama Primal Calamity enters the battlefield, if you cast it, untap all lands you control. And then it has three activated abilities. Zakama deal, uh, pay two and a red. Zakama deals three damage to target creature. Two and a green, destroy target artifact or enchantment. Two and a white, do nothing. <laughs> what, what are your thoughts on Zakama? Um, I think Zakama is great. I think Zakama is... Um... Just incredibly powerful. Uh, this is like a ramp deck that rewards you for ramping. Uh, and not only do you get... And like, ramping in a specific way, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And not only do you get um, to have your big beater like in play, you also get to do all of these, like any number of these options available to you once you get it. Mm-hmm. So at the bare minimum... like it's a if, Planeswalker. Yeah, it's a Planeswalker. <laughs> so at the bare minimum, if they uh, go to Wrath, your 9-9... Nine, nine, you can still be like, oh, okay, well, I'm going to blow up, like, those two soul rings and that other thing over there and, like, screw you guys, like, which is, like, great and hilarious. It's a shame that they can always, like, respond to the ETB trigger and kill it before you have a chance to activate it. Yeah, and yeah, that is true. I, I like that Zakama uh, rewards ramp in a different way than a lot of other ramp commanders. Yeah, yeah. Because um, there are some that, like... Uh, like landfall commanders or that care about you having a lot of lands on the battlefield. Mm -hmm. Um, Those ones just encourage, okay, you're going to get your cultivate and explosive vegetation and and, uh, uh, ranger's path and all those kinds of things. Just care about the most efficient way to do things. Or, you know, you're going to play your coalition relic or your Thran Dynamo. But Zakama specifically cares about effects that, like, add mana when you tap lands um so like fertile ground utopia sprawl overgrowth mm-hmm. uh, or like vernal bloom type effects so that you can actually net mana when you're casting zakama yeah which is great that's like awesome <laughs> yeah no i definitely love it when uh commanders encourage the use of a specific subset of cards that's a little different from mm-hmm. the normal yeah yeah um, everyone has more fun the only downside to Zakama, because I think it is a sweet design, it does a lot of things, and I, I think it'd be really fun to play with. Um, 
is because they didn't nail the dinosaur commander the first time. Yeah, yeah. Makes you, like, regret. They could have put this design, just changed the the type line, and put it in... There are other sets they could have put it in. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, being so. triple color is a little bit of a restriction, mm-hmm. but there are... I mean, they play, they print triple color mythics in other sets, and it's not a huge deal. Yeah, yeah, there's nothing really, like, tying this into being a dinosaur, which I think, like, again, like, that isn't necessarily a bad thing. I think that the problem with this um, is that the set had a tribal component, and these legendary creatures... Like, if you were to look at EDH Rec right now, most Zakama lists are dinosaur lists, mm-hmm. which is... Because they were so disappointed with Gisha. <laughs> yeah, which is hilarious because, like, there's nothing here that incentivizes you to use dinosaurs. Yeah. Um, like, when I looked at this, I was like, oh, that is hilarious. Like, you untap your things, like, lands, like, cool ramp, um, and just was so surprised to see how few other people <laughs> like, were, were thinking in that direction. Yeah, like, just the fact that this was kind of, a, by default, turned into a dinosaur commander is kind of, um, I think, indic- indicative of the the wants of the, player the players not and, being met. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I definitely think that's the case. I think they should have considered, like, uh, really carefully, well, there's only, like, one plane in the multiverse where... Uh, dinosaurs have a real presence. Yeah. So, I mean, and I don't know how Ixalan did sales-wise. I'm guessing not great. Yeah, I have no idea, actually. Uh, but it could be a very long time before we return here. What can what do our players going to want out of this place that they can't get anywhere else? Mm-hmm. And a, a competent tr- tribal commander well, he's definitely should have been at the top of the list. Yeah, should have been high up there, which I think is actually one of the funniest things um, to as we start getting into like some individual cards and closing thoughts is that uh these last few sets kind of were kind of goofy and sales i'm pretty sure weren't doing as well as they had been in the past so to fix it they're like what if we made a commander set in standard (laughs) and now everyone is excited so i think they're kind of figuring out more of the player base than they used to. There's kind of been, like, a silent majority for a lot of Magic's history mm-hmm. of, like, people who play but, like, don't really have any interaction with Wizards of the Coast as a whole. Yeah, they'll they'll do a pre-release yeah. maybe a couple times a year. Yeah, but then they just go home and maybe they buy singles or maybe they buy a box and they just play with their friends. Yeah. And they don't go out into the wide world. And so I think that now Wizards is starting to hone in on, like, who they are, why they're playing, what they like, that kind of stuff. And hopefully Brawl will sort of bridge that gap. Yes, 100% hope that is the truth. Okay, there's a a couple more things we want to hit on on Rivals. One is uh, a notable absence. Yes, there is. (laughs) There is no pirate commander in Rivals of Ixalan, whereas every other tribe got a new legendary creature. Yep. And again, that wouldn't be such a huge loss if Admiral Beckett Brass had not been so inadequate for yeah. rewarding the tribe. Yeah, and we had characters mentioned on on cards. There's like Vance's Blasting Cannons and stuff like that. Like, we could have gotten one of these other pirate captains as like a card. They, they were kind of hinted at in the same way that Kumena was. Um, like, oh, this character is important. And then there was no... They were gone. They were completely absent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there are other fleets uh, other than the ones 
other than the one held by uh, Beckett Brass or Elena Restorm. Yeah. Um, so I think that's a big shame. Uh, definitely shows that, well, I mean, standard sets have a lot of, uh, are pulled in a lot of directions. Yeah. But it's it's pretty disappointing when everything is supposed to be balanced around these four things. Yes. And one of them just obviously gets shafted. Yeah, which is so sad. Um, what do you think? One thing we, we didn't really touch on is, like, what would a good pirate commander have looked like? Um, I think, so that's actually the thing with uh, Brass, is I think that if Brass, I like the idea of stealing things. But if it was, like, um, tap these pirates, steal something, mm -hmm. I feel like that would have been better. Because um, then, like... You don't really want to attack with your pirate. I mean, I know they have raid, but, like, they're all just two ones. Yeah, they're all two ones, or, like, uh, one two flyers, or two one flyers, or... Like, it, it, it was pretty uh, lackluster. And even the token production we got was not super good. Mm -hmm. Um, there really weren't that many cards that made pirate tokens. I think they were both rares and one of them was not in that color identity. Mm. Um, so that's upsetting. Um, I think like a good pirate commander would have been just one that plays up their trickiness a little bit more. Cause mm -hmm. that was my favorite part about the pirates in Exelon was that they all got plus one plus one from Admiral. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah, they were all like kind of goofy and tricky, and they played in some weird space. And like this one, when it attacks, you like make something lose its abilities. And this one, like when it attacks, you can make it unblockable and you can loot. And this, this one, one, like if they would create a token instead, you create a token. Yeah, stuff like that. This one like has flash and gives things death touch. Like this one, like has flash and taps their things down. Like stuff like that. So like a commander that. Um, played up that kind of trickiness somehow um either by like may maybe even just doing what like the wizard guys doing now doubling etbs or something mm -hmm. like that like something um would have been a little bit more entertaining than just like getting in the red zone yeah no i think that beckett brass the reward is good the hoop needs a lot of work yeah, it's just too much um, and yeah, it's a shame that they didn't even try to fix their error in rival. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> didn't even give it the old college try. Yeah. Oh uh, man. Uh, I, something that had done what Captivating Crew had done would have been cool. Like that fits Ingrixis pretty well. Yeah. Like, um, a pirate that like can steal their creatures. Temporarily. Temporarily. That would have been great because then your pirates that want raid can get in there. And then, oh, okay. Well, uh, okay, there you go. That's yeah. a good reward. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm sure they could have found a way, like, I'm sure there's plenty of tech with that, like sack outlets. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, because you're in, you'd be in blue, green, red, or blue, sorry, blue, black, red. Yeah. Um, so you'd have sack outlets. And, and it's not, like, too powerful, so they could probably give it to you at a pretty good rate. Yeah. Like, it requires, it gives you a little bit more build around. Mm -hmm. And there's other things you can do, like... Once it's on your side, you blink it. Yeah. Or you bizarre traitor it. Yeah, which is... <laughs> yeah, definitely some, like, goofy tech. Harmless offering. Give it to yeah. someone else. Yes. <laughs> Juxtapose. Yes. Hilarious. Um, yeah, that would have been way better, and they could have costed aggressively, and, uh... I mean, I'm thinking about the trigger. Maybe, like, a cast trigger, because the, mm -hmm. mer because the pirates are all so cheap. Yeah, yeah, gain control of a creature that opponent controls or something like that. Okay, uh, wizards, uh, 
hire us whenever you like. <laughs> Feel free to take these designs. We're not going to sue you. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to just like subliminally message like Aaron Forsyth for uh for uh, I'm going to just tweet him every day like a hidden message. So mm-hmm. if you like line up all the first letters of every tweet that I send him, it like is some some longer message please hire. <laughs> uh, you know, if we like Okay, moving on to the main deck cards from Rivals of Ixalan. There's not too many of them. Yeah, this will be quick. Um, so I definitely think there are more broadly useful cards in Rivals. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So one, the the first one that comes to mind is uh, Riverwise Augur. Four cost, Merfolk. When it enters the battlefield, you brainstorm. Yeah, which is cool. Um, and it's a 2-2 two, two for four so yeah. it's a two two for three and a blue um oh it's also a wizard that's relevant oh yeah yeah that will be relevant for uh so i think that's useful for uh wizard decks merfolk decks uh decks that have strong reanimation or uh link themes mm-hmm. with commander there's you can stuff enough fetches and other shuffle effects into a deck in order so it's really it's pretty close to drawing three cards for four mana. <laughs> yeah, yeah, in the same way that Brainstorm can be just pretty busted. Similarly, another uh, <laughs> four-drop ETB creature... Yeah, that we were uh, graced with, blessed with. Uh, ...is Ravenous Chupacabra, the Goat Eater. Two black-black <laughs> for a 2-2 Beast Horror. When Ravenous Chupacabra enters the battlefield, destroy target creature and opponent controls. Um, Bam. Yeah, originally printed in Masters 25 and then reprinted <laughs> in Rivals of Ixalan. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is just the best version of that effect that they've done. Yeah. They've, they've had many creatures over the years going back. No, it was in Visions. That was in Visions? Okay, yeah, so going back to Visions, so really long time ago, um, yeah. but they've always had something like non-black or tapped or like something going on. So the fact that we finally just got... They were finally just like, you know what? This is fine. Mm-hmm. Because it is just a 2-2 two, two for 4 that kills something. Yeah. Blank. That's it. Because... Oh, uh, okay, sorry, yeah, just yeah. briefly. Just no, that. yeah, yeah. Because uh, that was like a sub-theme in Visions. Visions was like the first place where they really introduced ETB creatures. Oh, cool. It also okay. had Uktabi Orangutan and oh, okay. Man yeah, of War. Yeah. Man oh, of War. what? Oh, you're right. I remember that now. Yeah. Because Man of War... Yeah. Okay. That's awesome. That was a good set. Uh, let's see. We've also got uh, getting a little here. <laughs> to... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. Okay. Tender shoot dryad. I think we're gonna go from like. Well, right. We I like just... tender shoot dryad. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I think we're gonna we're bouncing around now that we're kind of getting towards the end of all these cards. Um, I I like tender shoot dryad because like uh, verdant force was cool, but I never actually wanted to spend uh, seven mana on it. You just... It was, isn't it more than? Is, I think it's eight. Is it, it eight mana eight. for seven, man, seven, seven? Yeah. But Verdant Force uh, has the only line of text on it was uh, at the beginning of each upkeep, put uh, create a one one green sapling creature token, and it is eight mana. It's three green and five. So like, the I just wanted is, we to don't do care that. About the seven mana body. Yeah, I don't care about a seven seven body. Like, I just want my saprolings, and this isn't even just a saprling. This is also a saprling lord. Once mm-hmm. you get there, and you don't, you only need two other creatures. Uh, with Tendershoot Dryad, if you cast Tendershoot Dryad on turn 5 to get the City's Blessing, 
So, like, bare minimum, like, if no one kills it, you'll get it on your own, which yeah, is awesome. getting Ascendant Commander is pretty It's easy. very easy. Especially if, in, like, a round of turns, you're getting four guys. Yes. <laughs> yeah, basically, if you go turn five Tender Shoot Dryad, and those are your only permanents, are the lands in Tender Shoot Dryad, untap, you'll have it. Enough. Yeah. yeah, so that's awesome. So I actually do like that card for that reason, just, like, continual, yeah. just dropping those little guys. Tons of sack fodder. Mm -hmm. It's almost... You almost wish it that uh, it gave Sapperlings plus two plus O, so you <laughs> still keep get the clamped. one toughness. <laughs> but whatever, I'll accept it. It's a recurring theme on this show. You'll hear with the same with uh, the other one. Do we yeah, want to talk two about toughness, this one? Strictly worse than one. Two toughness on the tokens, especially. Uh, do we want to talk about this guy, or do you want to talk about this guy? Or? I want to talk about this. I want to leave the Mortal Sun for last. Oh, okay. The, the spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Uh, so Tilanali Summoner. This is a little. Uh, uh, a little more narrow. It's one in a red for a 1-1 one, one human shaman with ascend. And when it attacks, you may pay X in red. If you do, create X 1-1 one, one red elemental creature tokens that are tapped in attacking. And there's some other text, but it doesn't matter. Yeah, it's not ever, ever going to come up. Yeah. Um, if you don't have the sitting's blessing, you have to sack them. But, like... <laughs> you are going to have it. Yeah. How do you not have it? What are you doing? Um, so that seems relevant in things like... Uh, uh, Perforos obviously is a natural one. Zeta mm -hmm. like is happy to just have a way to create a bunch of t tokens. Yep. Um, just any red commander that has a way to make use of tokens, that's pretty good there. Mm -hmm. Do we want to talk about Journey? Uh, yeah, briefly. So Journey to Eternity is the green-white um, flip enchantment from uh, Rivals. Yeah, so it is one green... Or green, black. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One green, black, or one black, green. Uh, enchanted creature you control. Uh, when enchanted creature dies, return it to the battlefield under your control. Then uh, return journey to eternity to the battlefield transformed under your control. And it turns into... Atzal. Uh, Atzal, yes. Cave of Eternity. Uh, taps for one man of any color... Um, and has the ability three black green tap return target creature card from your grave to the battlefield, um, which is awesome value. Like this actually has been like pretty decent. Um, yeah, I think it's it's really easy to flip in the right deck. Mm -hmm. but, like there's plenty of black green builds that want to sacrifice stuff. Mm -hmm. Savra is the Savra is a really big one. Yeah. Um, it's uh, Jared has the sack outlet built in. Yeah, there you go. Um, there's a, a few other ones. It's yeah. a common theme in, in those colors. So flipping it is not hard, and then just having uh, a land that generates card advantage and can potentially net mana. Is oh yeah, sweet. yeah, it's awesome. So that's pretty cool. That was a pretty cool like little thing they gave us. Yeah. Um, do we want to talk about this now? Just like I, how I feel the flip lands in this set were compared to the last set sure go for it yeah so i think because this is the only one we're really going to talk about um i feel like the flip cards the enchantments this time around because they're all legendary enchantments uh there's also azor's gateway uh oh yeah azor's gateway is not a legendary enchantment but is uh hilarious <laughs> um i just so that everyone knows azor's gateway is a two mana a legendary artifact it has one tap exile a card from uh, draw a card then exile a card from your hand uh, and then if the five or more cards have been exiled with different CMCs, you transform it. And it turns into Sanctum of the Sun, which has tap add X mana of any one color to your mana pool where X is your life total. Uh, never thought I would ever read that on a magic card, but mm -hmm. that's pretty hilarious. 
Um, so with that one exception, all of the cards, um, I'm not going to say them all here, I feel like they kind of were missing the mark a little bit. Like, the Journey to Eternity was the most streamlined of the Rivals mm -hmm. cards, because all the other ones, like Path of Metal, like, you have to read every single time, and yeah. doesn't fit into most decks. Profane Procession um, is just really clunky, costs a lot of mana. Um, all of them really kind of had this, like... They're doing a lot. The red-green one was, like, almost unplayable. Like, you attack them and get treasure, and then if you have enough treasure, it flips. Stuff like that. Yeah, the red-green... Uh, the red-blue one should have been cheaper. The red-blue one. Yeah, exactly. Like, it should have been cheaper. Storm the Vault, so... Because it's like, if I already have four mana, yeah. I don't really need treasure yes, at this point. exactly. And so it's, uh, it's not even when they attack. So Storm the Vault is two blue-red legendary enchantment. When one oh, or more creatures God. you control deal combat damage oh to God. a player... Create a colorless treasure artifact. I thought, I, when I first read that, I thought you got one treasure for each creature that dealt combat damage. No. No. <laughs> no, yeah. One, one per one. turn. Yeah, one per turn. Wow. So the, the saving grace, quote, quote, is that at the beginning of your end step, if you control five or more artifacts, transform it. But even then, like, you're transforming it into a uh, worse... Uh, oh, Sli I guess... Sli slightly better. Sli yeah, I guess it is slightly Tolarian better. Academy. So you jump through this really big hoop for Tolarian Academy. It taps for a man of any color or blue for your artifacts. Um, and, like, okay. Like, in a blue-red artifact deck, you might be able to flip that pretty easy. But just, like, the... Why even have that first line of text? Like, it's so... That is, was so underwhelming... Yeah, no, I, I think that um, they kind of designed themselves into a corner, basically. Yeah. Like, in Ixalan, they knew that the set sucked, and they needed <laughs> to subsidize it. They needed to have something in those packs that players would be excited to open. Mm -hmm. uh, and then in Rivals, like, I think they fixed the set. Like, Rivals yeah. as, a, as a set overall, I mean, if you toss aside the fact that there are no good mythics. Yeah. Um, it's a much it's a set that is much more in line with like the quality standards of a typical set. Yeah, yeah, there are a lot more playables. But because they they had set up an expectation by having a bunch of flip cards in the first set and they needed to carry through. Yeah, they needed to follow that through. So they've kind they'd kind of run through all the like good flavorful and clean yeah. designs <laughs> and so they just started getting like weirder and like more First strike, double strike, vigilance, hey. Yeah. <laughs> or like if you've spent 15 mana on top of 3 mana, then you can flip it to spend 5 more mana yeah. to play it. Like there's so many, there's so... Yeah. Oh, I guess 4 more mana. Sorry, Tomb of the Dusk Roses. Well, you're tapping it, so yeah. really Oh, it's it is 5, five you're right. Yeah. Um but yeah, they so yeah, I just feel like... 23 mana to get your first creature. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I just feel like uh, for the most part, a lot of these ones, especially in, in Rivals, kind of missed the mark. Um, the front sides were fairly underpowered most of the time. Uh, and even though the back sides sometimes were like very powerful, like Azor's Gateway, like uh, Sanctum of the Sun, making mana equal to your life total, especially in Commander... That's very strong, mm -hmm. but that hoop you have to jump through, like that front side was just so either terrible or difficult or yeah, not mean, worth it. So, some of them are cool. I honestly think that uh, Path of Metal is a neat card. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I actually that, do too. And I kind of want to build around it in like Arena or something, but yeah. <laughs> but rare 
wild cards are just too valuable. They're too and valuable. The economy sucks. So. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, but I think that gets us. We we have like two or three more let's, cards. Uh, let's skip that one. Let's just do the Immortal Sun. Okay. So uh, the Immortal Sun. Do you want to read it? Yeah. So <laughs> six mana, legendary artifact. Players can't activate Planeswalker's loyalty abilities. At the beginning of your draw step, draw an additional card. Spells you cast cost one less to cast. Creatures you control get plus one plus one. <laughs> There's just so many things. Yeah. Oh, God. I think... Um, well, what are your so, first thoughts on it? Automatic commander staple. <laughs> <laughs> That's like... I feel like if I could, like... Just... If I went on to the internet and counted every time someone said that... It'd take a lot of time. It'd take a lot of time. It'd take a lot of time to do that. Oh, God, yeah. I, so the first part, like, I understand that they had to do something with Planeswalkers not working right, mm -hmm. because Ixalan, you Planeswalkers can't Planeswalk away. But at the same time, this, like, kitchen sink design, they went, they thought, they had talked about this either in an article or, it's, I'm, this is all so far back now that I'm trying to remember where I read all of these things. Yeah. But um, basically, they were trying to think... Source Amnesia. Yeah, Source Amnesia. They were trying to think of an artifact that all the factions would have wanted. And... So it couldn't just only be relevant to Planeswalkers, because yes. then like, any, any person on the plane who wasn't a Planeswalker would just see it and go... Oh. Yeah, and go like, I don't... Why are we fighting over this? Yeah. yeah. So... Like, the MacGuffin had to be relevant in some way to the tribes... Yeah, and so spells you cast cost one less. That's good for dinosaurs. Creatures control get plus one plus one. That's good for pirates. Everyone likes strong card. Like it doesn't really matter. Like this is just so generic, uh, and that is my biggest problem with this, is that like this is you spend six mana, and you get some stuff. The thing is, there aren't, that, what? there aren't that many decks that want all of these things. Yeah. So the and the problem is when you put all of them onto the same card, you just make it way more expensive than it needs to be. Mm -hmm. Like there are decks that want spells you cast cost one less to cast. Like mm -hmm. there are decks that use Helm of Awakening as a combo piece. Uh, but the but like if you care about that, then you don't care about the other three abilities really. Maybe you care about but. Yeah, you really don't yeah. care about the other abilities, so it's like, am I going to pay this for this six-cost Helm of Awakening, or am I going to play Helm of Awakening? Yeah. Difficult decision. Yeah, and I do think that, like, the this... Everything on here is more or less trinket text, except for the draw step, draw an additional card. Yeah. They are very hesitant to give colorless, like, incredibly good card draw. Yeah. So I think that was really the the one of the effects on here that really pushed it up to the six-mana cost. Yeah. And God, the the spells you cast cost one less to cast. That is so insulting. <laughs> like you cast this on turn six, turn seven, you get to play your eight drop. Like, <laughs> yeah, and and creatures you control get plus one plus one. We said this earlier in the podcast, but that's not relevant, no. in Commander. And if you're going to have that effect, you are going to pay a lot less mana mm -hmm. for it. Like, yeah, definitely. Dictate of Heliod, like, yeah. costs one less mana and is twice as it, like twice as powerful and it has flash yeah and just has a lot more going for it and yeah. even like um like planeswalkers aren't really relevant aren't nearly as relevant mm -hmm. in this format as they are in others yeah and then if you're in green you have beastmaster ascension which is so much better also yeah. like if you're actually going to be attacking with creatures and want to pump them or, or red you have shared animosity yes. which is like if you have any, if you yeah. share any types with each other, yeah, then they're gonna get a sizable, like much larger than this. Yeah. So, yeah, 
But I feel yeah. like it was a flop. What they should have done is, well, what I wanted the Immortal Sun to be is honestly just Paradox Engine. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, yeah, I, that would have been cool. I think that there, it's crazy that there were other designs in Standard of like, wow, this is a really powerful build around artifact. I want it. Um, <laughs> but it like wasn't used, but like Paradox Engine wasn't used at all in the storyline of yeah. Kaladesh. Yeah. It like, you almost, well, I know that they, there's like a year in between the release of Ether Revolt and, uh, and Rivals of Ixalan, but you gotta wonder like, is, did they think like, can we save any of these designs for the MacGuffin from the next set yeah. rather than just fucking spurting them out here and like having them land on the wall. Yeah, no, because I, I think about that too. I've been thinking about like, did they know that the Immortal Sun was going to be as big of a part of the set? And like, if they had known earlier, would this have been cooler? Because mm -hmm. I feel like this is suffering from the, a thing that a lot of the set suffered from where like just the ideas were stolen or taken for other things. Yeah. And they just didn't have enough time for advanced planning. Mm -hmm. Like, cause like they decided on the tribes so late that they couldn't seed them into standard yes. other standard sets. And, and I'm not against kitchen sink designs in general. Like I was happy with Zatalpa mm -hmm. because it was appropriate for that card. Like mm -hmm. this is supposed to be just a large, exciting dinosaur and throwing a bunch of abilities on it. That's fine. And and ha and all the abilities on Zatalpa were like carefully chosen yes. to cover a lot of different bases and like contribute to the whole. I yeah. Think. Double like you know double strike, vigilance, indestructible, flying, uh, all those things shore up a weakness on the card in some way. Yeah. Whereas the Immortal Sun, the, these four abilities have nothing to do with each other. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, they just are literally random like cool things that were from other things in sets histories. Yeah. And any dumped and, in here. And if your deck wants any of those things, it's going to, you should probably just find a card that does that one thing for a way cheaper price. Yeah. True. Yeah, I definitely agree. Okay. Uh do you want to talk briefly about the oh, polls? Oh yeah. So um, the the they had a poll uh I was wary of this because of uh, Nuphorexia. Uh, they kind of uh, mm. kind of did something like this that wasn't relevant. Yeah, um, well, they like implied that uh, it would matter when it actually when didn't, it didn't affect at all. the outcome of the story at all. Yeah, um, so this time when they said, uh, we're going to take a poll to see how Rivals of Ixalan's story ends, I was not super uh, confident that that would be the case, but... It ended up being that you could vote for merfolk, uh, whatever faction you wanted, merfolk, pirates, uh, dinosaurs, or vampires. And um, if that faction won, they would win Arazka or something like that. Yeah. Um, I think, so it was a really bad idea from the beginning. Yes. Because <laughs> uh, I think they just didn't really consider the fact that by giving players the option to vote for vampire conquistadors, uh, like defeating the natives, like two different tribes of natives, like yes. they were basically like allowing, making it so that they would force themselves to write, uh, like to recreate 
this incredibly traumatic point in history, (laughs) like this huge win for imperialism over native peoples in the new world. Which was kind of the, the thing I guess we haven't talked about, like that, the whole kind of concept of Ixalan came from this really like troubled historical past. Mm -hmm. Um, And so kind of from inception, Ixalan had a lot of things that it had to tackle on top of mechanical designs and Mm -hmm. stuff like that, which, uh, I don't even know if it was successful in any of that, honestly. Yeah, I think that the original intent of behind like vampire conquistadors was lost in the process of changing it into a tribal set. Yes, yeah. Um, like, clearly, the reason they wanted to do tribal conquistadors, or vampire conquistadors, is because, like, conquistadors were, like, you know, rapacious and predatory and just brutal. And that's yeah. and all those words are things that we associate with vampires. So mm-hmm. it was a good flavor fit. But the problem is, in a tribal set, you know, some of these people are going to be playing with the vampires, and they have to like identify. Yeah. And, and especially when you have this layer on top of it of trying to get players to identify with the vampires, like, and giving the vampires a path to victory. Yeah. Like, <laughs> this is, yeah. <laughs> Which was uh, yeah troublesome, but uh, they didn't win. Uh, but they did give us the endings for all of the four factions. So Dinosaurs won, which I think is actually misleading because it wasn't Dinosaurs that won when you read the story. It was the Sun Empire. Which so, is all the humans that, like, every time you'd see them in a pack, it's like, do I actually want to draft this? It doesn't really synergize. Yes. <laughs> so they... And, just and, all of it. And, uh, and, like, and showing us the endings that didn't happen was also a really bad idea. Oh, yeah. Because then you see the vampires, and the vampire story, like, the vampire ending is Vona goes back to the city and, like, revels in how great she is, and then gets immediately devoured by a dinosaur. Yeah. And so, like, it makes it clear, okay, they didn't want to have to write an yes. ending where the vampires won. Yeah. And so they, like, pulled their punch. Yeah. Um, But at that point, it's like, okay, the creative team doesn't want to do this. Why are you forcing them to do it? And then, like, imagine if vampires did win and, like, all the vampire players are supposed to be happy that that their avatar got devoured by the... This other, this other tribe. dinosaur, yeah. Like, the di- the vampire ending was a better dinosaur ending than the dinosaur ending. Yes. Yeah, definitely. And and the pirate ending was the best one. Because um, yeah. what do they get? They're just going to drink and whatever, Yeah, there was right? no no imperialism involved. Yeah. <laughs> it and was just... The vampires want to play cards yeah. and drink. And it's like, dude, that's how I spend my weekend. Yeah, <laughs> those, pirates, those pirates, they put on that fancy crown and they sat on the fancy chair and drink some grog and they had a great time like great that's a great way to end a story especially because they wanted to do something more aloof um and like brighter and happier from the previous storylines that had been happening especially with hour of devastation just being this incredibly bleak there is a story episode where the entire episode was vignettes of just native people being completely obliterated in various ways. Oh, yeah. And then, like, <laughs> the guy protecting the child. Who's Whoa. already dead. Yes. <laughs> oh, man. So, I think they wanted, like, they wanted Ixalan to be a happy, colorful change of pace. Mm-hmm. So, yes, they should not have made it so that they had could have possibly given the vampires a storyline in which they were the victorious conquerors see it's just it's like so many different elements 
tests in (laughs) Salon were just really poorly planned out. Mm Because, like, I mean, the moment they had the thought of let's get, let players influence the story, they should have thought, okay, what are each of the four stories? Oh, this one, this option is terrible. Yeah. We can't do this because of how bad this option is. And (laughs) what they should have done is, like, okay, let's not have players influence the story. And then if players aren't influencing the story, then you can plan things out because you don't have to end in a place where any one of these four things can happen. Mm -hmm. You can actually have the arc over the course of the entire thing as Mm -hmm. opposed to we're just like trading control of this thing back and forth. Nothing is really happening yeah. because like it's the, it's the pole that determines the real weight of the plot. Yeah. Yeah. Which, and then they couldn't yeah. even do that because there's no weight in any one of those four stories. Exactly. Really. The whole point was just kind of gone once the immortal sun was gone. There's not really a reason. Not that it mattered. In the yeah. First it, didn't, it didn't matter in the first place. And then, and yeah, they just kept going life as usual, which was terrible. So, uh, yeah. So, <laughs> okay. So hopefully this, uh, this episode has given you an idea of our, like what our main criticisms were for Ixalan. I'd yeah. say there were the bullet points, the big takeaways mm-hmm. from Ixalan blog going forward is you can't really oversaturate a set with tribes. Yeah. Um, there has to like, there has to be a bigger audience than just the people who like those very few specific tribes. Um, another lesson is if you are going to do a tribal set and have tribal commanders, you need to work backwards from what those, what are the unique characteristics of that tribe mm-hmm. so that like putting a member of that tribe in your deck feels really good. And you can see how this pirate builds towards the goal set by Admiral Beckett Brass. Yeah, yeah. As opposed to, it's just a body that can attack. Yeah, this has flying, therefore I want to put it in here. Yeah. Um, And then, in terms of the story, uh, don't let players make a choice if that place, if that choice can be a bad one. And honestly, I feel like that applies to game design, too. Yeah, yes. (laughs) Yeah, um, I think the, the one thing that Wizards of the Coast is good at is um, responding to feedback and, like, being accepting of feedback, um, which I think they just took too far in regards to the poll. They're like, wouldn't this be fun? Like, look at this. But, like, again, the the poll had so little bearing on anything actually substantial that any of the players actually cared about that it was kind of more just a... A lot of Ixalan was more of a, like, smoke and mirrors hand wavy, like, look at dinosaurs, ooh, as opposed to a substantial it almost, thing for the tribes. It almost feels like it's the uh, the people at Wizards who work in social media, like, yes. justifying their jobs. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, they were trying to increase player engagement and, like, get this metric of, look how many people... Uh, voted in this poll yeah as opposed to like like really giving it weight and meaning yeah. and trying to learn from the players yeah and even if it was just like like 
hey, like, who would you like to see win in the storyline? And, like, not, no guarantee that that would be yeah. written about. Like, the kind of, uh, the kind of posts that the Wizards Tumblr makes all the time. Yeah, yeah. just like, who, how do you feel about this? Like, that's totally fine, and I think that, like, any type of feedback like that, that can... But, but to say it matters and then have it not matter? Yes. You're just pulling the rug out from under the players. Yeah, so, uh, all in all, I think there were... Uh, other than the Jace storyline, there is more misses than yeah. hits. And, and, and Sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, I, I was going to say, we actually were pretty nice. I actually thought we were going to shit on this a lot more than we did. Well, I think that <laughs> I think that we sound mean normally when we're talking about Ixalan because we don't have time to get in the details of why. Like, we just write it off. Like, every time Ixalan comes up in our discussion, we just write it off dismissively. Like, yes. we're talking about a good set, not Ixalan. Yeah. Uh, uh, and here, like, we actually get to analyze all the component pieces of Ixalan mm -hmm. and go into detail like why is this bad how it could have been done better mm -hmm. sorry another lesson learned oh from yeah Ixalan. yeah another lesson don't force the creative team to do things they don't want to do yeah it's just not gonna work yeah I think that we're gonna actually see less of that now because we have more forward planning and we have actual authors writing and like so, one person handling the entire storyline yeah, yeah and so you're not gonna have like hey can you do this to like an actual author who's right. gonna be like what the fuck like yeah no like <laughs> we already worked out what i'm gonna do yeah and... it's a shame because like i feel like tribes are a really easy way to create new archetypes in commander yeah um because there's so many existing ones yeah. that like you know, aren't really, that have members that are good, but not a reason to play all that specific subset together in a deck. Mm -hmm. So, like, adding one commander to, like, oh, now I have a reason to play all my shades mm -hmm. in this one deck, um, that's great, and that adds to deck diversity, and I hate when they do it wrong, because, like, <laughs> every time people bring up, like, they think that they've already satisfied our need with mm -hmm. Admiral Beckett Brass and Gisha. It's going to take longer. So there's, yeah. it's going to be a very long time before we ever, if ever, like see another pirate commander that could fix the problems or another dinosaur commander yeah. that could fix the problems. And in the meantime, like they don't really, I mean, there's people who are building around these commanders, but it's not super, very viable. It's not yeah. really adding to the number of viable decks in the format. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's just people in ex like very, very casual settings doing these things as opposed to like going to the shop and like having like a very well put together format of very decks that all are competitive with each other yeah so yeah it's yeah. sad <laughs> so, <laughs> but on the bright side the it looks like the best parts of ixalan which is the jace uh arc, <laughs> and and is going to be can, is going to continue on into the future and Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, and I think actually the best thing, that my actual thing, best thing takeaway from uh, Ixalan Block is the fact that they're going to be more willing to do things that are off the wall, like non-uniform uh, color cycles. Because mm -hmm. um, I think that is actually going to be better. That was actually my favorite part of Ixalan was that like um, there were different things you could do, and then uh, some of the decks were within the same vein but worked different, even though it didn't play very fun. Like, that they were willing to do that, and that I feel like they could have succeeded doing that, um, is great. And I think that that is going to be something going forward that we'll, we'll get to see, like, three-color lords and stuff like that. Or, or not lords, but commanders in sets that aren't necessarily multicolor because of this, mm -hmm. which is great. Yeah, and I think that, um, I mean, I think that our last few podcasts have been 
have a lot of criticism for wizards and i think it's fine that they are making mistakes like they're trying new things um they're trying to expand the game and i think that they i think mark rosewater said that this model of like two two color faction and two three color faction mm -hmm. that worked and that was something that uh yeah is gonna be in their toolbox going forward and i think that because of the the messy implementation in Ixalan, they're going to be forced to uh, learn from that and do it better in the future. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. But uh, overall, I'm very, very excited to uh, see this year's state of design. Yes. It's going to be great. Yeah, I, I be... cannot, like, after every time there's a bad year of magic, like, the one thing that makes up for it is here in Mark Rosewater. Like, <laughs> just have to take back all the hype he did, he... Yeah, put, put out forward. in the lead up to the set. Yeah, yeah definitely. I, I do like his honest opinions when he actually gets down into it. Like, after it's said and done, it is actually make it... Um, it's satisfying. Yes. I know, it's because it's like... I mean, I know it's his job to hype. It's his mm -hmm. job to hype. I'm not criticizing him for that, but, but I mean, that's just the way the system is set up. But mm -hmm. it is frustrating when, like, I believe something is bad... And Mark Rosewater is selling it as hard as he can. And, like, there's that moment where I doubt myself, where it's like, well, he's been designing games for 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> of course you would know better than me. I accept your opinion, Papa Mark. Yeah. And then, like, a year later, he'll say, oh, yeah, Ixalan was trash. <laughs> yeah. And then it's like, fuck, I should have believed in myself all along. <laughs> Stuck to my guns. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, I think that just about does it for this. Yeah, we'd love to hear your feedback. Uh, I'm sure there are some people out there who would like to defend Dixon, and I want to hear yeah. some good counter-arguments. Yeah, like, definitely. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that's it for now. Thanks for listening. If you want to get in touch with me, I am at Commander Theory on Twitter and Tumblr. If you want to reach Zach, he is at Fat Bartleby on Twitter and Tumblr. The opening song is Lincoln Continental by Entropy, and you can check them out on SoundCloud. We'll talk to you guys next time.